Welcome everybody, you're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning, you're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson! Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? Oh, I'm thankful for this beautiful sunny day where I can come in to radio and get cancelled before the show even starts. (laughs) (laughs) You heretic. Yeah, that's fine. No, we are. I just want a minor apology for, I think, our mics were were left A major apology for a minor mistake. Yeah, a major apology for a minor mistake. That's right. Or a minor apology for a major mistake. I don't know. No, 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 no. But we are sorry that the mics are live when we're in the studio. You heard some of our conversation. Yeah, basically, anti government propaganda, all that kind of thing that goes on <laughs> behind the scenes at Faith FM. So, <laughs> no, we we're just having a conversation about climate change and COP26 and all these different things that are going on. But, hey, if you heard that conversation, uh, I will say this. It's not any sentiments that I don't hold. We probably just said it in the wrong way. But, um, yeah, other than that, life is good. Fantastic. <laughs> Guess what I'm thankful for what this morning? For, I'm thankful for the very... First day of this season in which I drove to work without switching my headlights on. Oh, I just do that anyway. Yeah, I know, because you so, live closer. Because I'm, I'm rec- and you come later. I'm reckless, yeah. <laughs> and you sleep in and you're yeah. slack and all of that. I, yeah, we understand. What? We understand what? this. We, are- we get this when you turn up an hour late for work every morning. <laughs> <laughs> Man, my my spot at this station is really getting called into question. People are like, really? Man, I'm I'm getting like a verbal write-up right now. Like everyone's just airing their complaints about me. Dude, it's, it's just click seven o'clock and I'm getting cancelled, bro. I'm going to lose my well, this job. Is, this is, this is, you, you did say that you don't use your headlights when you come. Maybe, maybe. You, oh, I was just talking about being a reckless driver. Yes. <laughs> Well, we'll just add that to the list then. (laughs) Why not? You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay. All right. There you go. Let's give. Let's get this quiz started. Let's uh, have some Mm -hmm. positively different news right now. Yes, positively different news. I came across a news story this morning. It's medical news, which is something that I love talking about personally, but it was really... Touching to me, uh, just because I, I've seen this play out recently um, within my own life. And it this is really amazing. So, essentially, there is a company in the United States called The Kidney Project. Um, and, well, it's they've made this product called The Kidney Project. The company itself is called Kidney X, which is a uh, public-private cooperation company. They're working with the U.S. Um, Department of Health and Human Services to come up with a solution to the kidney problem. Um, kidney failure is something that uh, a lot of people suffer with. And even though you can get a transplant and replace your kidney, or for which you have to go on a massive waiting list for if you suffer kidney failure and have to go on dialysis and whatnot, it is not a foolproof method. Uh, no. yeah. And how I know this is um, one of my dad's closest friends uh, passed away last week after having mm. a 10-year battle, 12-year battle um, with kidney failure, oh. he received a transplant. He'd been doing dialysis for years, and yeah, he 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 finally passed away. And it's because it's like even though we have methods that potentially work, we don't have an actual way to to be sure that we can solve this. Yes. Up until now, where it, during this um, this company, Kidney X has created this product, and it is a, an, an implantable bio artificial kidney. 
So it's essentially, look at what this looks like. It's like this 3D printed box. That, yeah, it looks like a something you'd find stuck in the back of your computer somewhere. Yeah, that's right. It's got kind of hoses going in and out. It's more. Of, which, it looks like a car. Kind of look like cables. It yeah, looks like yeah, a, yeah. It's like, I, it's like a. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I'd, I'd plug that into my car and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, but essentially, like what this does is it functions similarly to a kidney. Now these um, sketches, like these, are is really in development phase. Like it's R and D, like yes. putting this together. But they've already been. Um, so it's basically an artificial kidney. Yeah. That that's exactly what it is. An artificial kidney. This is this is very cool, but it's pretty it wild is, stuff. It is. They've been awarded a six hundred and fifty thousand dollar prize as well for the first ever demonstration of a functional prototype of an implantable artificial kidney. So, like this thing, they they just they're just getting it done. Um, and this collaboration between the United States government and Kidney X, they are just putting so much work and effort into into making this chronic kidney failure is like a, a really sweeping disease. It, it affects a lot more people than we think, particularly like it, it. I I think particularly in the United States as well, where it, you've kind of got two elements to it. It's like you know it can be um, brought on by your genetic makeup, but also it's very heavily influenced by lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so they want to solve this problem. You can you can then say like, oh, you could solve this problem by promoting better lifestyle. But at the same time, I just know for my dad's friend specifically, um, yeah, he wasn't like a crazy like he did drink and no the, well, better lifestyle is definitely going to give you an advantage but it's not going to solve the problem that's right for a lot of people that's right because you know there's, there are a lot of people out there whose kidneys just you know they just stop working not because of lifestyle abuse just because of you know the fact that we live in a world where human beings are tend to be broken yeah that's right now lifestyle is going to make a massive mm. massive difference don't get me wrong but you know, I, I've I've had quite a few friends on dialysis, and in fact, one of them I used to go and do uh, Bible studies with him while mm. he did his dialysis because like, oh, well, this is the first time that I'm free. Come into the uh, dialysis ward, and we'd sit there wow. and be like thirty other people sitting there. We'd sit in our corner and do the Bible study. Other people would listen in. It was great. Um, but you know, it's pretty confronting to see everybody you know having their blood pumped out of their body and through a massive filter that's like the size of an air conditioner, and then back into their body again. And what you've got here is something that looks like it's about the size of a uh, matchbox or a little bit bigger. It'll be the size of your kidney. <laughs> the size of a kidney. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. They just that's... they just hook you up, and yeah, this is fantastic. I think at the moment this is definitely a watch this space moment because. I assume in the very near future they're going to start trialing this. And there's other people, of course, who lose their kidney function through trauma, you know, an yeah. accident, something like that. Uh, and, you know, that, that's that got nothing to do with lifestyle. It's just a, a matter of your kidneys just got smashed. And even, like, in my in my um, my dad's friend's case, like, after he had – he because he received, like, a double transplant. Yes. Like, double kidney transplant, which is supposed to solve the issue – had a fully changed lifestyle by that point, you know, just like not drinking, uh, not eating anything unhealthy, like really like, you know, trying to, to fight this, yet it failed. And so yeah, it, it's, it's like, challenging. Transplants are very, very challenging. That's right. But ultimately here we are seeing a really viable solution. Um, now, I just think, you know, being that this is being developed in America, uh, it's probably going to cost a a trillion dollars. Or... Someone's going to make lots of money out of yeah, it. Yeah, but um, I, it should help people. It should, and I, I think that I think that one company, obviously, you know, the company that makes is going to patent it and whatnot. But companies are going to see this and probably purchase 
patent licenses, make their own, make it cheaper, and it's going to be a really, really great thing. Um, oh, also, this happened this week. They launched the n- the n- latest generation of Landsat uh, of the Landsat satellite. Do you know what that is? Uh, film. Remind me. Remind. It me. is the premier Earth monitoring satellite that we have. That essentially it tracks like um, the way that the environment changes on Earth. Yes. And so this is the ninth one. They've sent it into space out of California, the, what they're calling probably the most important um, rocket launch out of California for, for the last 50 years, uh, which is, I think, just really throwing shade at, um, oh, what's his name? <laughs> throwing shade at Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. like, oh, yeah, the most important one is nothing that you've done. Uh, but anyways, yeah, no, they've sent it out into space, and now it is doing its job capturing the Earth and everything in it at the best quality that we have ever had so far. So really... be really interesting to see the research and the information that comes back as a result of that. Oh, so much. I love... I love Google Earth, bro. It's like just like flying around and and looking at streets and looking things up. Like, and this is, but this is like on another level. You know, this isn't like the Google satellite that can be publicly accessed. This is this is the best of the best technology that we have for monitoring what's going on in our Earth and talking about um, economic change. There has been a real call recently as we as we um, are approaching COP twenty six, which is the biggest. Um, Biggest climate change and environmental uh, summit that happens on Earth. All the, it attracts all environmental leaders from all over the globe. Um, there's just been a real um, call and a real, um, again, just heightening of the awareness of what really are the global issues in terms of our um, climate and environment around the world. And I, and particularly lately, I think with you know Greta Thunberg and all these guys coming out, there's been a bit of a hyper focus on oh you know climate change. Uh, temperatures rising, greenhouse gas. But the the thing that like uh, scientists are standing up and saying is like, hey, remember that all that plastic that's in the ocean? We should probably deal with that. Yes, like, yes. We really need to do oh. something here, and, and particularly that's a massive problem. It's right in front of our face as well. Like you know. I think that, and there's even like disputes that happen, like over oh climate change. How much is it actually affecting our Earth? What's actually going on there? But hey, look, I can look into the specific uh, the Pacific Ocean and see a massive garbage patch. I'm like, that probably needs to be cleaned up. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We should talk about more serious stories. Before we do, this story has kind of nothing to do with our radio show, but it's very cool. I'm just going to share it. Uh, Qantas is about to fly a uh, repatriation flight from Buenos Aires in Argentina to Darwin Direct. That's 18 hours. Oh, that's massive. That's a record. That's the lo- Is that longest the commercial longest, flight? Longest commercial flight ever. 18. You imagine being up That's there for amazing. 18 hours. Why is it going from Darwin to Buenos Aires? Is well, from not- Buenos Aires to Darwin. What? Bring a bunch of Australians back to that have been stuck in South America. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I'm like, do they have nowhere more important to fly? What about, like, I don't know, New York or 15, the UK? <laughs> anyway, the other thing that is uh, probably a little bit more relevant to uh, what we talk about here on Faith FM this morning is something that you should take. Uh, notice of which will be happening in the natural world this evening. Bit of a meteor shower on the horizon. Really? Yes. In Australia? In Australia. If you look in the right place, you should be able to see the odd okay. meteor go past. Okay, fair enough. So, um, yeah, if we've got clear skies tonight, let's get out, climb on the roof and have a look.
I've never seen that before. Um, all right, so this is the story that I did say that I was going to talk about, and California has just banned travel to Ohio. I love how you pronounce that when you introduce that. I think you're the only native English speaker who has ever mispronounced the word Ohio. Like No, <laughs> Ohio, that's how my kids used to pronounce it when they were like three. <laughs> okay, oh, yeah, the only um, native English speaker and person older than three. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, now you've got me messed up. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, ban travel to Ohio. And you would think, well, you know, travel bans, there's nothing new. It's COVID. Well, they've sort of lost their interest in travel bans about a year ago in the United States. And yeah, that's right. Um, it's just New Zealand and Australia that still has that kind of thing happening. Yeah. Uh, so one day we will catch up to the rest of the world. We pray sooner rather than later. But anyway, uh, this has nothing to do with COVID. This, this is all about legislation that has just been passed in the state of Ohio. Are you serious? So this is the Ohio House Bill 110, and as a result of this bill, California has banned anybody travelling to Ohio who is a state employee and is travelling using state or taxpayers' money. That is wild. Pretty gnarly like, stuff. This is like... This is like the fighting that happens in Europe. Yeah, it kind of is. It's like, it kind of is like, between countries. It's like Russia versus it's France like, or like, something. It's, it's like, uh, you know, it's, the, it's kind of the equivalent of California withdrawing their, you know, their diplomats from Ohio and closing the border. Anyway, um, so the House Bill, Ohio House Bill 110, uh, provides freedom to medical practitioners and medical services uh, to decline uh, medical practice which violates the health provider's conscience as informed by the moral, ethical or religious beliefs Uh. or principles of the provider. Uh. In other words, Ohio is now medical practitioners and medical institutions and medical insurance companies, etc., are now allowed to uh, refuse to do an abortion if it's against their conscience. I knew, I knew it was going. Yeah. Like, I just, I had this always intuitive gonna, Always going to go there, isn't it? Always oh, going to go wild. there. Okay, so because they are no longer forced to do abortions, uh, the California uh, Attorney General has, yeah, banned anyone from uh, travelling there who is a state employee and travelling on tax money. Now, this is interesting because what it does is it allows insurance companies to be able to provide cheaper in health insurance. And in anybody who's lived in America knows that health insurance in America is the most, you know, it's the most expensive country in the world for health insurance. Mm. It's just, it is just off the charts uh, how expensive health insurance is over there, and and you're pretty much done if you don't have private health insurance in the United States. They don't have uh, what we have here in this country, and so as a result of that, uh, the uh, um, uh, insurance companies want to be able to write policies that are cheaper for people who are not going to uh, be choosing to have an abortion or choosing to change their gender, these kind of things. You know, if you if you strike those out of the policy, you know, obviously it becomes cheaper. It could be a, like a number of things. Oh, like, it could be a whole bunch of things that yeah. they could include in that um, that would be faith-based. And so it's a benefit for people who are like, you know, and even for secular people, you know, there's plenty of secular people out there who don't ever want to have an abortion. It's just like, okay, scratch that one off the list. Oh, my policy's cheaper now. 
I'm thinking not allowed to have that in California. Wait, so but you can't have it in Ohio. So essentially, like if an insurance company, you can pick and choose based on your. Comp- so this is just making insurance better. You could scratch off anything. Yeah, it's, like, like, it's like you can uh, you can insure your car, but you can scratch off uh, theft. Yeah, and it gets cheaper. But I'm thinking for the health insurance, could you scratch off like dental if you wanted to? Well, you can in Australia. Yeah, so I'm just I'm just like, oh, this just makes. It better for everyone. <laughs> <You're kind of> like, <laughs> like, yeah, it's okay. Got, got California pretty upset. <laughs> like, uh, no. oh man, that's that the attorney. The ass. California Attorney General said that quote, blocking access to life-saving care such as abortion is wrong. Mm-hmm. So, abortion is life-saving care. Anyway, well, it can like it, it can be. Yes. Yes, and uh, we all know that no one in the state of Ohio is going to block abortion, you know, in a situation where it's going to save life. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but he went on to say that it puts the health of Americans at risk, and because the health of Americans at risk, Californians are no longer allowed to travel there if they are state employees and travelling on tax money. the, oh, the, the the bill was sponsored by the Ohio Center for Christian Virtue. Okay. Okay, the, the, so there was some Christian lobbying going yeah, on. Yeah, some Christian lobbying going on. Yeah. And they stated that the travel ban by California is great news. <laughs> Stop <laughs> California bureaucrats, bureaucrats coming to our great state. That is the most American thing. They're just like, it's like <laughs> it's a net gain. It's a net gain. Uh, stopping California, uh, making California bureaucrats staying put. <laughs> it's like, you want to live in California? Then just stay right where you are. <laughs> now, we can laugh at all of this, but it does show a heightened level of tension that wow. just goes up one notch every year that goes by. Dude. And. You know, every election that we have had in the last 20 years has kind of been one step closer towards civil war in that country. And just, like, pure social segregation. Yeah. And, like, they just hate each other now. Like, literally, like, we, they're, they're it's, you could almost say, like, it's it's a discrimination thing uh, in terms of, well, you could. You could very much make the case. It's like, oh, well, you know, because of this, these people's beliefs, we're, we're discriminating against them. That's right. You can't, you can't go there. Like, because, and, and it's a whole state like yes. I, I, yes. this is this is civil war. This is like, this is this is just like the Confederacy is like coming back into my mind right here, and this is literally like the civil war. So one of the uh, one of the cases that was cited as an example uh, that caused this legislation to be passed was that of a Roman Catholic nurse who was forced to perform um, or to assist, I should say, an abortion in the state of Vermont. Um, she was forced under threat of obviously losing her job. And uh, uh, so the hospital that did that uh, was sued by the Trump administration. Of course, then we had a change of government, and Biden came to power, dropped the um, dropped the legislation, and the Biden administration has um, enacted, you know, mandated or forced you know, gender transition um, by medical professionals, um, and this has resulted in over three thousand medical professionals getting together to sue the Biden administration, the, the Department of Health and Human wow, Services. So it's, it's big, big class action happening there. Um, and in August last month, of course, the transgender mandate was struck down by the federal 
uh, court. So, mm. you know, this is this is a full-on battle that is taking place over ideology and faith and uh, all of these health. kinds of issues, health in the United States right now. Interesting space to follow, and particularly from the perspective of religious liberty and also liberty of conscience. We need to protect those two, with, those two liberties with about everything that we have. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, so joining us on the phone this morning, as always, on a Wednesday morning, is David Haupt to talk about emotional health. And uh, this week we're answering a question that came through last week from a listener. And I'd just like to take this moment to encourage our listeners, if you've got questions that you would like to put to David, he would love to answer your questions and to be able to share some thoughts on what might be helpful for you. So please do send your questions through for David, and we will pass them on, and where possible we will answer those questions here. Here on Faith FM Breakfast Show. This is your opportunity to be able to get some help for uh, whatever it is that you may be dealing with. David, welcome to the show. Good morning, gentlemen. And just a correction there, I will attempt to try uh, to answer some of their questions as long as they give us sufficient information. Background information is crucial or else uh, their questions could be misunderstood. Yes, absolutely. And when we were looking at this question here, David and I sort of had a little bit of a discussion together like, "Mm, we're not sure exactly whether we know uh, what we're talking about, what the exact question is, but we have a subject that we can talk about. Uh, We we do hope that this is uh, relevant to the question that was asked. Very much so, uh, Lyle. The the real issue that we uh, thought that this listener was asking about was the issue around what happens if children grow up without boundaries? In other words, there's no clear uh, set rules in, in their life. What happens? What is the end? Uh, you know, what will they struggle with later in life? Yes. I, I hope I'm, I understood that question correctly that way. Well, that was that was kind of uh, I think we both sort of came to that conclusion. So we're we're, we're both in the same uh, bucket together here, David. We're both hoping that we yeah. got the the, the correct um, interpretation of the question. Lyle, it's very interesting that uh, kids uh, from a very young age will actually push boundaries. It is as if they are born. It is as inbred in them as the need for breathing is. So also the need to push boundaries, and so often. Kids grow up in that environment where parents themselves have not grown up with boundaries and therefore lack in boundaries. And I've seen so often in my years that I worked in Cabramatta, in the drug field and in Blacktown, that most of our clients actually misunderstood what boundaries were. They, they saw it as a... Uh, you know, just an nuisance, something that the government places upon them. And um, so often it led them into major issues in their life. Relational issues, conflict with uh, authorities in, in society, and even with problems with society itself. So, it's, it's, Is it interesting that you say that, you know, a lack of boundaries in childhood results in, you know, a a very strong pushback against government and and uh, I, you know, I would assume along with that the police and we've got you know so much 
anger out there against the police right now. And, you know, there are times when the police overstep their boundaries. There's no question about that. Nobody's ever arguing that. But for the most part, the police do a great job in terrible circumstances dealing with terrible things and they may, you know, we don't want to get rid of the police. We've seen what happens in you know some parts of the United States where they've defunded the police and it's just an absolute disaster and you know you look at a country like for instance South Africa where you come from where they you know don't have a police force that is you know capable of dealing with uh, the situation it can be very challenging. It seems to me that children that grow up with boundaries would have a much better uh, predisposition to actually keep the law in the first place? Fundamentally, it is um, really saying if I grow up with boundaries, I have a sense that there's consequences to my behaviours. If I grow up without boundaries, um, very narcissistic personality traits come to the fore where uh, I assume that there will not be any negative consequences to my behaviours. In other words, I have a choice of doing whatever I like. It's very interesting, Lyle, that kids that do not grow up with boundaries are actually insecure kids, are are, are more prone to anxiety. Uh, Kids that uh, don't grow up with uh, clear boundaries has a problem with a lack of self-worth. Kids that do not grow up with boundaries often faces major conflict in their life. So that's quite interesting that those kind of traits um, is, is present for those kids. And I often found this happening in kids that, well, young people that I work with that were battling with drug and alcohol. And um, you often see that play out, that lack of boundaries when a child is gone and it's stolen from a shop owner got caught for shoplifting, be brought before the magistrate, and the parent then comes in and says, Your Honor, release my child in my care. I will take care of them. Now, they actually remove the consequence of that child's behavior. Somewhere in life, society is going to say, Up to you and no further. And sadly to say, I've seen so many young people's lives completely ruined because they were never allowed to see the consequence of their behaviour. I have a friend who's a police officer and, you know, he talks about times when, you know, he's been called out to situations where teenagers have been acting up at home and yelling and screaming and carrying on and the parents have actually asked him, you need to arrest these children. And he's like, well, they actually haven't broken any law. They're just, you know, behaving badly. Um, Yeah. And we, you know, as he pointed out on numerous occasions, the police force is not there to be a parent. Often, often we find where there's a lack of boundaries placed in family homes that uh, parents can't just deal with the kids anymore because there's that pushback uh, eventually wants the police or the school or the church to become the disciplinarian. For, for the child. But I would like to suggest that by the time that they reach their teenage years and they have not yet grown up uh, with clear boundaries, they actually will face problems in their life later on. Mm. It's a really serious um, it's a really serious situation that you know I see developing right, right here. And one of the things that that I see, you know, and even from my own experience, is that parents who give their children boundaries from the very beginning from get-go, have such an easier life? Very true. 
Very true. You will still have that talk back with with that child as they grow up. They will still test the boundaries. But if boundaries have been set very clearly, very fairly, and the parent themselves lives according to those same boundaries, you will see that those kids will actually follow suit much easier. There will be less conflict if... Um, in teenage years, let's say a family has not had boundaries in place, it is vital. I often sit down with uh, families, have the teenage kids around the table, and we have a family conference where we actually look at what kind of family home they would like to have. And it, it's interesting that as we then open up the opportunities for rules, it is often those teenagers that comes out with much stringer rules than what the parents themselves would have put in place. But if you do not have consequences to the breaking of those rules in place as well, you actually, or, or, or if a parent is fluctuating from uh, today there's rules, tomorrow there's not, or uh, the consequences are removed, we'll find that those teenagers become eventually disillusioned and eventually will take full control of the family home, and that quite often is disastrous. What about a person then who is has come to adulthood and has realised that they grew up without boundaries and they really have no idea of where to start in reordering their life? What's what's the solution there for somebody who, you know, they've grown up in that situation, it's like, well, where, where do I start now? Well, I often find that in the counselling room, uh, sitting down with people that have never grown up with those boundaries, and it is very difficult when I talk to them initially about boundaries, there's a huge pushback from them. They They want to live their life as free as possible. But you know what? Freedom actually comes from living under certain rules. Yes. When when I uh, run, you know, a red light, what happens? Am I still free if the coppers were, were sitting there? I'm not free anymore. I might feel at that moment as I push my car through the red light that I'm free. There's some freedom, exhilaration. But if another car is in the way and I make a major accident, I'm not free anymore. Are you sitting um, in a wheelchair for the rest of your life? Exactly. We find it even that God has instituted the rules, and so we, we hear from society that those rules are just there to take the fun out of it. I'd like to say to your audience that those rules that God has placed there is there for our protection, to give us freedom. Yes. And as I argue this case with my clients and they start to then, with my help, work towards establishing rules in their life. Look around at what makes society function. If I am unkind to someone else, there will be most probably unkindness coming back towards me. If I steal from someone, most probably there will be some major negative consequences. Those are all boundaries that we have in society. So as we, in therapy, work through the teaching people how to put boundaries in place. You see that the anxiousness dissipates. You see that security comes in for them, and they are much happier people eventually. But in the beginning, I've had people walk out in tears as I spoke about boundaries in their life 
but eventually came back and thanked me for it and said, thank you for teaching me those things. I wish I knew these principles at a very young age already. How should parents then who are listening to this and are wondering how do I go about setting boundaries with my children, where do parents start and what do boundaries actually look like? It is vital for us to remember that boundaries should be age-appropriate. For my uh, small child, um, it is important that uh, there's a much stringent and there's not a lot of argument or uh, communication around it except a very clear instruction of how they should, uh, should act. When I park my car, and my car is full of my little granddaughters, I park my car at the shopping mall, uh, and I get out. One of the rules is they do not just go gushing towards the shops. They actually wait for me, take my hand, and take each other's hand, and we will walk through together. Now, there needs to be a consequence, right, if they don't obey. One of those consequences can be that afterwards, after we've done the shopping, since they had broken the rules, the agreed boundary rules, there will be no fun time with me at the park. We'll go straight home. So parents need to actually sit down with the kids and they need to set those clear rules and articulate it well. It is better for smaller kids not to give too much information, give the clear instruction. Secondly, uh, make it age appropriate. Make sure that there's consequences there. Be consistent. Don't flip-flop around in your boundaries, all with the consequences. Follow through with the consequences and have patience. And as the, the, the young person grows older, some of those boundaries might change. For my grandchildren at the moment, I observe my, my kids, 7 o'clock is their sleeping time. But you're not going to give that to a teenager. A teenager might be able to be up till 9 o'clock at night or 8 o'clock, depending on, on, on their age. And eventually they will leave the home, go out with friends, but there's a certain curfew at which time they need to be back in. Now, I recall back, uh, Lyle, when my kids were going through their teenage years, we were immigrants to Australia. We shared some of the household activities in the home and our cutoff time was Friday when the sun set, all of the rules had to be set and the consequence were that if we, and by the way, I had, I fell under the same rules, if we had not done our part by Friday when the sun set, there were certain consequences. There was no social activities on, on Saturday evening and my daughter came, she had not done her work, I didn't fight with her, I just did her work for her and when Saturday night came and she wanted to go out with her friends, I said to her, well, actually, you chose not to go out tonight. And she knew exactly what I was referring to. Guess what, what happened next week? She, <laughs> she had everything done. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And felt a lot more secure for it because the boundary didn't move. Very true. And that is one of the key things. Kids that grow up with boundaries feel more secure, feel safer, and feel loved in the family at home. David Help, thank you so much for joining us this morning to talk about boundaries, uh, such an important part of children and growing up. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.